0: here. You're in the midst of a of a sermon series where you're focusing on Jesus's encounter with different individuals in the scriptures. And one of the things that's so important as we look at various encounters in the Bible is that we come at it from the perspective of realizing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples right before he, he left them, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will do even greater things than I have done. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? And it's so important in this series that you're entering into, as you are looking at the scriptures, as God is bringing you fresh awareness and fresh insight, my prayer is that it would not just kind of be leaving us with this mindset, well, that was then and this is now, but instead it would actually be a launching pad for what God wants to do through you, Unionville Alliance Church, Unionville Alliance Church goes much broader than just this part of Unionville. You go into schools, you go into businesses, you go into neighborhoods to take the very presence of Jesus, the same Jesus that we just watched on that screen. This morning we're going to look briefly at the story of Jesus healing the leper. And one of the dilemmas that we have for us today is that most of us know very little about leprosy. And the reason for that is because a cure was developed in 1980 that practically eradicated the disease. Now, leprosy was a disease sometimes known as Hansen's disease. It was a bacterial infection that would begin in your system, and it would result in uh, numbing the nerves around especially your nose and your extremities such that you couldn't feel any pain. And so you might think, well, isn't that wonderful? No pain sounds like a good deal. But the truth is, if you have no pain, then you don't know when you actually need help. And so what would happen? I grew up in uh, Eastern... in East Africa and Ethiopia, and I grew up before the 1980s back there, and so before there was a cure, one of the places that we lived in had a leper colony where they actually would have all the lepers go with their deformities because they would get like an infections, they would get wounds and things that they didn't know needed to be fixed, and gradually their limbs would get deformed. Sometimes they'd have to have amputation, and they kind of secluded them away into a colony, partly because they were fearful that it was infectious, but also partly because of the disgrace that they often felt because of what they look like. Now, the amazing thing, after the cure came in the 80s, um, Wikipedia says in the 1980s, there were 5.2 million cases globally, but it went down to less than 0.2 million by 2020. Most new cases occur in 14 countries, with India accounting for more than half. In the 20 years from 1994 to 2014, 16 million people worldwide were cured of leprosy. About 200 cases per year are still reported in the U.S. Now, some debate whether the leprosy that we're talking about here in the scriptures is actually the same kind of leprosy that we know and understand to be leprosy today. In fact, in the Old Testament, when you're looking at the descriptions of what to do if you had this kind of disease, the Hebrew word that's used actually references it more as kind of a a skin disease and an infection that's contagious, and it had a number. It could be boils, it could be vitiligo, it could be a lot of different things. It was kind of just lumped into one particular category. Now historians tell us that um, this particular, the leprosy that we think of today as leprosy actually didn't surface until Alexander the Great with his armies started traveling around the world, conquering the world, and he left the gift of leprosy with him as he went. And so apparently it wasn't until 300 BC that leprosy actually showed up in Palestine. And so what does that tell us other than it's quite possible when Jesus was healing this leper that he could have actually been someone that had leprosy like we understand leprosy today. Now, whether it was the Old Testament kind of leprosy or whether it was modern-day leprosy in many ways doesn't matter because the reality was the stigma attached to it was so big it was almost worse than the disease. So much so that if they came into any community they needed to speak out in Bible times, they needed to actually speak out unclean, unclean, so people would move away from them. Well, prior to COVID, most of us would probably care less or not have any awareness of what that means, but after having gone through COVID over the last three years, we've had a closer touch of what it means to walk with a little bit of contagion in our culture. And some of you might have felt some of that stigma when you were quarantined or when you, you know, other people reacting to you for whatever reason, you might have felt some of that uh, as you went through the whole COVID experience. This morning, as we look at the scripture, I believe the story that is here has much more for us than just the physical healing of the leper. In fact, I believe the leper in many ways represents all the ailments of mankind tucked into one. There's a physical ailment, there's an emotional ailment, there's a spiritual ailment, and we're going to unpack it this morning. And one of the first things we want to look at, anytime you're looking in the scriptures, you want to be asking, what does this passage teach me about Jesus? Jesus. What do I learn about Jesus? And one of the first truths that we see radiating out of this passage is this that Jesus is willing and able to heal. You know, when people come for healing, most of the time there's two questions that they're stewing around in their spirit about. One is, does God really have, is he really able? like Jesus did it back then, we believe it by faith, does he still have power to heal? But the second question that often plagues most of us is, okay, I believe he has power to heal, but does he really care about me? Is he really willing to care and to heal me? We see in the story with the leper He radiates that out. He had complete confidence that God could heal. He'd heard testimonies and words of miracles that were happening, and he's going out of his way to find this man, Jesus. His only thing he's not sure of is, will is he willing? And that makes total sense in light of the disease that he just had, where he wasn't allowed to even be in the public. Imagine, I have no idea when was the last time anybody had touched this man we see he comes with an emotional need. The shame was so unbearable, deep rejection. And Jesus approaches him. And the scripture actually depicts it. um, You know, you have to go, videos are amazing and they help us, but we ultimately get the guidelines and stuff from the scripture. So the order's a little bit different in the scripture. In the scripture, we actually see Jesus reaching out first. It actually says... Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And then he says, I am willing. He reaches out and touches him. You know, that man and in that culture, what they believed was that Whatever that person had, the contagion, I didn't want to get anywhere near him because the contagion was more powerful than I am. But Jesus comes and he is the cure. And he comes and he steps out radiantly, ready to step out and say, I am willing because he's not afraid of the disease. He's not afraid. Jesus touches him and he says I am willing. In the Greek the word willing it's actually extending your best offer. Imagine that. That's the savior that we come to. Every single time you come to Jesus, he is committed to extend to you his best offer. He has no favorites. Physically, this man is instantly healed. Spiritually, you know, the trauma of this disease that this man walked with meant he wasn't ever allowed to go to church, wasn't allowed to go to the temple. For us, that's not a big day today because we got Online. Even more than that, we have Jesus living inside of us if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you become the temple. Not, not that I'm excusing our need to come together. Don't misinterpret that. But this man didn't have that option. So for him to not be able to go to the temple was a big deal. And so what does Jesus say? He sends him to the priest for the priest to go through the offerings or whatever was involved to reinstate him back into the culture, a COVID test of sorts that he had to get before he could actually be reinstated. And I'm not going to go into all the detail of that because it was quite detailed. You can read it up yourself in Leviticus 14, but I just want to highlight one particular part At one point, the leper would go to the temple. The priest would have to come out and inspect him. After he decided that he was clean, had these rituals he had to go through, bathing, shaving, seven days of separation, then he comes again and there's a blood sacrifice that's made. And this is very interesting, the symbolism of this. The priest goes and he puts a little bit of oil. Can you imagine? This is almost, they don't show this on the chosen video, but, anyways, he comes to the temple, he kind of sticks his head in, he's not allowed to go in, and the priest puts a little bit of blood on his ear, a little bit on his thumb, and a little bit on his toe. You think that's kind of weird? Well, the ear was basically to declare that he was right to be in relationship with God, that he could hear the word of God and move out in obedience. The thumb was to declare that he was free to touch anything. There was no contamination whatsoever. And the toe was basically the foot that whatever he would go, he would be stepping with freedom. He could go anywhere. But the thing that was most fascinating to me is the priest would first put blood on those particular areas, then he would put oil. Blood is symbolic of the sacrifice of Christ, Isaiah 53, that says, by his wounds we are healed. All of our sickness, our sorrows, our sins put on Christ." But the oil is symbolic of the anointing. The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. There is no healing without the blood. We have no access to the healing of Jesus except for his sacrifice on the cross for us. Jesus, the finished work, the completed work on the cross, when Jesus stood up on the cross and said, "It is finished," he was saying that about so many things. The punishment for sin, that we would no longer have to live under a banner of disease and all sorts of other maladies. Now what do we learn from the leper? The leper was willing to receive healing. This man was desperate. You know, in the Bible, there's another story of a leper in the Old Testament named Naaman. And he's got leprosy that is keeping him from doing his job. He's not a Jew. The little servant girl tells him to go, and he finds Elisha. He gets to Elisha, and Elisha says, well, here, this is what you're supposed to do. He goes, I don't want to do that. That's weird. And it's not until he's desperate enough that he receives the healing. I remember working in one of our churches and we often would have prayer teams up at the front just like you have and I remember talking to one of our women who was wrestling with cancer and I said, why don't you go forward for prayer? She goes, I'm not doing that. Well, well, you know, I mean, the only way, you know, coming up front for prayer isn't the only way to get healed, but how desperate are we? This leper manifests before the globe that the risk that he put himself in by coming into the community to even seek Jesus shows the desperateness that he came with. But the other thing that sh- it shows is he was a worshiper. He comes and he kneels down reverently, and the word that's used there for worship is it's going kind to of kiss, to kiss the feet. Of Jesus. You know, you have the story of the 10 lepers that was read for us, and very different than this man. They stand at a distance and yell, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus does. He says, Go, and as you go, go to the priests. Says the same thing that he says to the one leper. And the scripture says, As he went, he was healed. Only one comes back to kneel before Jesus. Our sense of worship before God is so important. You know, some of us maybe we're wrestling with God hasn't answered our prayers, and we're going to get to that in a few moments. But a question that we have to ask first of all, how desperate are we? The second of all, where am I at in my relationship with God? Do I revere him? Or do I, am I just hoping he's some kind of help desk? I'm just going to check in, get what I want, and I'm out of here. The healing that Jesus offers is holistic. I had an opportunity to pray with a neighbor of mine. The man didn't, was not interested in God at all. They wouldn't even celebrate Christmas. He got cancer and he got this huge tumor on the side of his face such that it was pulling down on his eye and and it was causing trouble. I went over to visit him once and he said, uh, I need a miracle. I was like, there's my chance. So I said, can I pray for you? He goes, whatever. So I prayed for him. The next day I check in and he's worse. So I'm taking that up with God. God. I'm like, Jesus, what's the deal here? Like, you know, he likes me. It's not my reputation at stake. It's your reputation. And immediately in my spirit, I hear the words, it is done. Move towards the healing by faith, sister. I'm like, okay. And two weeks from then, the man is leaning over the back fence, thanking me for prayers because he was completely healed. Now, he was getting some medical treatment, too, so God can use the medical as well. But this man, who was an agnostic, is giving credit to God. But the sad thing is, he died a couple years later than that, and as far as I know, he never made his peace with God. Brothers and sisters, God is committed to holistic healing. In fact, when Jesus says to the one leper that comes back and says, thank you, Jesus says to him, go, you are healed. And the word he used there for healed is sozo, which is like salvation, deliverance, emotional, physical, and spiritual altogether. This man was desperate. He was a worshiper and he had faith. I want to challenge you this morning as a church. You're an alliance church. We say that we believe that Jesus is our Savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and our coming King. What is our posture around the topic of healing? Are we more like a leper colony where we've kind of pulled back with our doubts and our fears and we're kind of stepping out hesitantly? Or are we people in the community who step forward confidently and lovingly knowing that we have the cure because Christ in us, the hope of glory? The disciples. Well, interestingly enough, in this story in Matthew, there's no mention of the disciples, but most likely they were there observing and most likely quite similar to what we just saw in the video clip. But they're learning, and we're learning. We're the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are learning to become healers in Jesus. And you know what? There's two ways to respond. We can respond like the disciples where we're so afraid of whatever's coming to us that we draw back in self-protection, or we can step out by faith In confidence, not exactly sure how God is going to do this, but by faith, we're going to step out. Now, why are the disciples hesitant? Well, most likely they've never seen a leper healed before. So they're like, What? Why are we hesitant to step out to heal? Well, sometimes we're not convinced that we have the cure. Or maybe we've prayed for many people that haven't been healed. You know, I'm, part of my job in the district is to raise the waterline to believe in healing, to believe that Jesus still heals today. And I have to be honest with you, there are times where I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I can preach this anymore. Because I've prayed for people that haven't been healed. And I don't want to set people up for dis- with disappointment. I don't want to look like an idiot. Lord, how do I stay in the game? You know, why isn't everyone healed? Well, first of all, God's ways are not our ways. There is a big difference between a spirit of reverence and a spirit of entitlement. Jesus modeled for us that he stepped forward. He said, I only do what my father asks and tells me, instructs me to do. And as we grow in prayer and hearing God's voice, then there's a need to step out in obedience when he calls us to. But his ways are not our ways. The other thing is God's work is often invisible. Nobody around would have believed that the apostle Paul was about ready to become converted. Nobody could see what was going on in his heart. I asked Jesus recently, as I was wrestling with this question, why don't you do more? Why aren't you doing more? And immediately, I felt him say to me, me do more and the way that the spirit of God can speak to us he downloads a truth that takes paragraphs to explain I felt like what he was saying to me is Kathy I did it all on the cross I did it all on the cross now I'm waiting for you to take the anointing that I've given you and to step out in my name with the power of my spirit and to go and follow my instructions and do likewise." I was rebuked. So where do we start? Well, one of the amazing things is many great healing movements have the same testimony. And the testimony is this. If you don't pray for anybody, nobody gets healed. If you pray for everybody, some get healed. And the testimony has been of people that were pressing in and praying. They would pray and pray. They just chose not to give up. And God in His mercy allows that, I believe, because He knows our pride and knows that we are going to get in the way and think it's us. And so He needs to get us to the place where we know that we know I am not the healer. God is the healer. So, where do we start? You come alongside someone who does believe, you know, your flock. You know the people around. Who's that wild and crazy person that always has faith for everything? You know, saddle up next to them. Ask the Lord to increase your faith. And then just start with the one in front of you. And perhaps the real Jesus thing to do would be, maybe it's at a classroom, maybe who's the person in your classroom that nobody wants to talk to? Everybody's like, I'm staying away from that guy because he's weird. Or in your office. And you don't come out of the gate like a, you know, religious weirdo. You start with love and acceptance and kindness. And when the time is right, you step out. Because, brothers and sisters, you have the cure in Jesus. You have the cure in Jesus. Jesus. One thing God told me is, Kathy, let go of the outcome. You are here not to do your own bidding, not to do the bidding of the people that are coming from prayer. You are here to do my bidding. And the Lord said to me, Kathy, are you willing to be a Hebrews 11 person? You know what it says in Hebrews 11:38. 38? It says, many of them died Believing, even though they never received the promise, they still were people of faith. Unionville Alliance Church, I challenge you this morning. Will you be men and women of faith? To be people that you are going to hold on to the fact that God says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. That the Lord says he will do great and mighty things because the Spirit of God is upon us. Are we willing to step out even if we don't see the fruit? Jesus wants to say to you this morning, he is willing. He stands in front of you as a church and he says, I offer you my very best my very best the worship team is gonna come and they're gonna sing this amazing call, song called I speak Jesus I speak Jesus over my family I speak Jesus over my city you know one of the things that I love about a loud band like this <laughs> is nobody can hear whatever I'm saying or singing in my little corner and what that means is that I can be interceding and praying, and often I find worship, worship music, there's a time, yes, I'm focusing on Jesus, but often it's a powerful time to step out in intercession and say, agreeing with the words and declaring. And I want to encourage you, as we lean into this song, gonna, you know, hopefully the band's going to amp it up a little, that we would be speaking out Jesus over whatever God is putting on your heart someone in your family, someone struggling with an illness, someone struggling with depression, that maybe it's you, you're like, Lord, I love what she's saying, but I'm not there, and you're like, Jesus, come and speak Jesus over me so that I would step out with confidence and anointing. And I believe there's going to be a team of people up here after for prayer. Pastor Daniel told me on February 26th, you're going to have a specific healing time where the elders would be available to pray for you. And so, Father, we we come very, very aware that we struggle to believe. We come very aware that we're hesitant, that we're probably more like the ten lepers than we are the one but we come and we ask you, Jesus, to change us. Lord, we don't want to be people that are hogging the cure. And so we need you, Spirit of the living God, to come and to awaken us and to use us for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.